Yes, team, welcome to another episode of the Total Mental Performance Podcast. Today we have Ben Bray. He's a coach, bodybuilder, founder of NewGen. And was it the coach convention we first met? No, we met before that. We met before, but we didn't speak as much. Mm. It was a convention where we really broke the barriers down and had conversation. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And we've crossed paths a few times. And I yeah. really respect Ben. I like what he's doing. He's got a great energy. He's built a great team. Uh, and we also have similar backgrounds going from the corporate world into mm -hmm into the coaching world. Uh, so Ben, welcome to the Mental Performance Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on, mate. I've always been a listener, so I feel very fortunate to be sat here today. So thank you. Amazing, amazing. So why don't you just paint the scene and just go, hey, this is what I do. Perfect. So as you've said, bodybuilder, founder of NewGen, um, online coach really. And the game, the aim of the game is, is to have as positive impact on the industry as, as possible, um, whilst walking the walk for clients and, and really just ensuring that my message across the industry is a, a positive one to, to change and develop as many people's lives as possible. Um, but it's, I've been here a, a, a while, mate. I started coaching at, at 21, so I'm now 29. So it's been a, a lengthy amount of time in the industry. And yeah, it's, it's just progressively grown more and more, started in the UK uh, and then relocated to Dubai last year. So that's been the, the full circle, really. So what's the origin story? Where were you born and how did you start that journey in order to get here? So born in Rotherham, yeah. you know it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I started in a corporate job like yourself, um, went to university, got a business degree and was doing project management. And I actually really enjoyed it. I thought, you know what, like I can see myself doing this. And, and I used to present, get projects over the line, get the, the cost in. And part of that corporate world and being part of a team, I really, really enjoyed. Um, but whilst I was doing that, I was progressively developing my knowledge in nutrition, becoming a bodybuilder and actually finding a passion for self-development. So it was like a 50-50 split for a good four to five years whilst going to university, studying business, got my degree. And I was like, right, okay, we'll give both a crack. And I was, was juggling both plates for quite a significant amount of time, working 12, 13 hour shifts consistently. Um, and then COVID hit. And that was the opportunity where I started working from home. I had the coaching laptop here, the <laughs> corporate laptop here, as, as you should not do. Um, and, and that's when people really made that jump, made an investment into the self. Despite gyms being closed, it was like, right, I want to take action. And we, we scaled the business from 25 clients to having a coach on board within like three to four months. And I was like, right, mum, dad, I'm handing my notice in. Um, and we ran with it from there, mate. Yeah. When you handed your notice in, what was your mum and dad like? The, my mum and dad have always been so supportive and they're ultimately the reason I am the person I am today. Um, even more so my dad, we've always pushing me with my background of football and, and always wanting to, to be the best at what I've ever done. And they still didn't agree to it. You've got your safety net, you've got your, your holiday insurance, your, your holiday pay. And my mum and dad have always worked to nine five and my dad was a steel worker, my mum a care coordinator, so a very normal upbringing. So they was, was dead against it. But after I handed my 30 day notice in, I'd doubled the revenue and the client number of the business. So they was then very supportive because mm. they could see with my full commitment, what I could do. Yeah. I had similar. Yeah. I had similar. Yeah. But I left school at 16 mm -hmm. and do you know, remember a guy called Peter Jones off of Dragons Den? Yeah. Yeah. Of course I do. Yeah. Yeah. So he had a school where you would go to that school and you'd run, a, you'd come up with an idea and you'd run mm -hmm. a business for a year to 18 months and they'd assess you on how you run that. No exams, no coursework. Mm -hmm. I did that. And uh, when I, I, I when I left school at 16, my parents were like, don't do it, like you're mental, like please don't yeah. do it. And I was like, no, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. And then I went into software sales uh, when I was 17 mm -hmm. for a contact at the academy. They saw my potential and they're like, yeah, I think this kid's gonna do something. Sold nothing, like 
nothing for nine months. I think I was going to get like literally sacked. A couple of days before my 18th birthday, £400,000 worth of business comes in, completely closed with free deals because it was the buying cycles. But we didn't know the buying cycles because it was a new... Mm-hmm. Um, it was a new product. It was a new market that we were going into. So then I've got this commission in the bank and I'm boxing at the time. Mm-hmm. And I told my parents, yeah, I'm going to quit this and go and go box the Olympics. And you just done the 400,000 deal? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Like, like yeah. at that point, I think it was four or five months before. And I've got all this cash and I've got a very normal upbringing as well. You know, yeah, dad yeah. works in a factory, uh, mum works in accounts. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I said to them, right, I'm, I'm quitting my job to go and fight the Olympics. They were like, are you mental? Are you, they, they were like, are you, we let you do the, the business thing, but you're really going to go and do that? And I was like, yeah, yeah I, I am. And uh, very quickly managed to break onto the England team and they started to see where that was, that was going. So I really resonate with your story there, which is like, are you sure you want to do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. And there'll be loads of listeners that resonate with that. And it, it almost makes you ask that question to yourself. Is this the right thing to do? Or I think there's two approaches. Is this the right thing to do and, and backtrack or just think, right, I'll go balls in here mm. and show them. And I think there's two different type of people there. Majority would, would go back and say, no, I'll have that safety net. But I, I could encourage so many people to to, to play the risk game there and, and, and back yourself. Because if you do, the, the, the end result is always positive, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's easier to take those risks when you're younger. Mm-hmm. Like those risks get harder and harder and harder when you start taking on board, you know, your partner, and then actually if you have a, even just a dog or kids, bills, family, yeah. bills, team members, mm-hmm. those risks get harder and harder and harder. So if you're a young coach or entrepreneur listening to this, like, I can do it. Yeah, because the older you get and the more responsibilities that you get, there's more reason not to be risky. Yeah, big old Arnie wrote in one of his books. Uh, he if there's no downside there is no risk mm. and if you think about it that's how he played his whole life yeah if i can afford the downside there is no risk so mm-hmm. that that for me was so when i heard that i was like wow yeah if i can afford the downside there is no risk and, and often people are afraid of appearing like an idiot and appearing mm. like a failure and getting things wrong but that's just the perception of others when you can actually go all yeah. right well if i can afford this downside or this risk mm-hmm. Like, take it. Like, you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, and I think it limits so many people. Just you believe in yourself and, and back yourself is, is what I've always thought. And you're always going to have that element of imposter syndrome. Of, Should I be doing this? And that's a sign of growth. And, yeah. and that's a sign that you're doing the right thing. If you don't have it, you're probably not pushing hard enough. On the flip side, if it's crippling you, then there's probably a psychological issue which is worth exploring and mm. unpacking that. But you need a healthy level of that and changing your relationship with that feeling of, this is evidence I'm going to another level. Mm. Okay, all right. Yeah, I like that feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. It's, it's one that carries with me most days, and I think no matter where you get, if you're truly trying to grow continuously, it will always it will always stay by your side. Yeah. So tell me about the football. The football was everything, mate, and I get I get emotional talking about the football side of things because it was from six, seven years old best player um just playing at, at normal local league and then in eight years old got scouted for for an academy stayed at that academy all the way through to, to 15 16 and got a scholarship and, and and when i came there i was like right okay it's this is this is going to be everything my dad was at every game home and away traveling the country far and wide and then just at that age of 16 i just took a, a huge turn where everybody grew and i didn't mm. so i went from being the the biggest meanest striker in the game to just being a, a guy who had not hit puberty mate basically and got bullied every single game i went from being the fastest to just average paced and scoring 30 goals to then being on the bench and coming on as a sub and within a year that was it 
from scholarship to, to released and oh well I've not tried at school I've not really got where I should have been from an academic standpoint and now this dream of becoming a professional footballer just fell flat on its face so for me that was was quite challenging and I continued to pursue it I didn't give up I went and played at a high level semi-pro and then I got a big big injury so cruciate ligament and that was really where I kind of, I remember sitting in the hospital bed. I was due to go to America, as a lot of people do, to try and fly mm. for that little last chance saloon. And looking back, I'm glad I never did. But that's when like, I, I went through a, a period of almost like depression where I was like, right, I don't really know what I'm going to do. I'm at college now studying business, PE, and not really in, in English literature at the time. Mm. And I was thinking, where where is my life going to go here? I obviously had a passion for sport and, and develop uh, business development, but... At that part, I didn't really know where it was heading, and, and the injury finished me off, mate. I did I did six weeks back um, after the rehab of the injury, and I just wasn't the same player. And for me, I'm one of those people who, if I know I'm not going to excel at something, that's it. I'll, I'll wrap it up, and, and that's what I did, and it broke my dad's heart, I think. Mm. Um, and from that day onwards, I've never really watched football, stayed close to football. Um, so that's like 10 years now, Yeah, not watching a game that was biggest part of my, my childhood that's still a sore point you think yeah i think i think more recently i've come to terms with it as i've become as i filled that gap with fitness and and but from being 18 to, to like 22 23 it was a really sore sore point yeah where i wouldn't watch football with my dad on a sunday i wouldn't really talk about football i just stopped playing and my dad was like you're not going to go and play five aside you're not going and i was like no and i just completely stopped sports is ruthless mm. like absolutely ruthless and this is why I like business because mm. business is pretty infinite. Like yep. we can do this for another 20, 30 years if we want, maybe even 40 years. Mm. Uh, but, but in sport, game over. You mm. either make it or you don't. And I don't know if you read the book uh, Mindset by Carol Dweck. No, I haven't. I'll get you a copy. Mm -hmm. Honestly, mate, incredible book. Talks about the difference between a fixed mindset and a mm. growth mindset. A fixed mindset is my, my abilities are very limited. And yep. I'm not good at that, so I can't get better at it. I can't learn. I can't grow. Growth mindset is... I can learn, I can give everything a go, mm. or you know what, it does, it's not about my self-worth, I've got to enjoy it and try and figure it out and, and, and really enjoy that journey. That's really mm. the difference between the two. The one bit I disagree with her on that, uh, and I, I'm, I'm my own mental performance coach, um, Hazel Gale, former kickboxing world champion, therapist, mm. amazing woman, but one thing I don't agree with entirely when it comes to sport is there is an element of innate ability. Like there is an, an element of innate speed and power and strength mm. and you just, there's no other realm other than professional sport where you really see that mm. and you feel it. You come up against someone and they're just that bit quicker, that bit stronger, mm. that bit sharper, or they're out thinking you or, or whatever. Mm. Even though perhaps in a broader context, they're not the brightest spark in the world, but on the pitch or in the ring, mm. they are they are that. And because I, that's kind of what I like about it is there is a ruthlessness as the better man usually mm. wins. Um, but at the same time, on an identity level, your whole identity collapse, right? I'm going to be a professional football mm. player. In the space of one year, everybody else grew and you didn't. And it's like, bang. Yeah. And everybody knew me as that person. Mm. Ben or Ben, amazing at football. And then all of a sudden I felt like, well, what, what, what do they know Ben Bray as now? Like, I'm, I, I don't really stand for anything. And, and that's why I think with my career, I've really done everything to, to stand for something again. Because... With coaching, I found that same ability to, to change people's lives as I did as scoring goals and, and impacting the result of a football game. I was like, right, this is this is my time to shine again. And that's why I think over the years, I have been incredibly selfish towards my career to, to create and fill that emotional gap of football not being there anymore. Mm. 
Was there a moment where you knew it was over? Or was it a real like, was there a moment where you knew that's done? Yeah, obviously in the, when I was in, in the, the hospital bed and I had the injury, I was like, right, this could be over. But I'll never forget, I went and played a football game and it was an average side that I played for um, in, in, the, in the, the under eight, I think it was under 19s actually. And a, a side that I would have not even looked at three years ago. I'd have not even entertained playing for. And I remember I, I got put right back. Three passes, three straight passes. And I was like, what, what, what is happening here? And I went off at half time and I said to the manager, just give me 10 minutes. I just want to try and try and kind of find my feet a little bit. And I remember one of my best mates played for the same side. So I, he was on the bench and I, I, I hit a couple of passes at him. And I just found my ability as, to pass the ball as effectively as I could had gone completely. Went back on in the final 15 minutes and I was just getting rings ram round me by an mm -hmm. average winger. And I went from playing up front to then right back and I was like, I am just scratching at this now and, and this is it. Mm -hmm. And I went back and I remember packing my bag and I was like, right, that's the last time that I'm ever going to play football. And now, even I remember I went to Marbella to do a content trip two years ago and the lads were playing football just round the villa. It's got pool, mm. football pitch at the side of the, the villa. Didn't even touch the ball. Mm. And like, they're the lads that I played football with growing up, still playing football, still good at football. Yeah, they never made it, but it's still like that self of, I don't want to embarrass myself because I'm not that same person. Mm. So I just don't play. Yeah, I hear you. Mm. I hear you. I mean, I had a similar moment where, uh, well, there's a few sparring sessions where my head's, my body's not working where my head is at. Yeah. So your head's, your head's already done the pass or my, my, my head, I've already thrown the right hand or I've seen their shot come in and I'm like, I'm going to get out of the way of that, but I haven't. And then I've been hit and then I throw my right hand, I've missed. And I'm like, there's that disconnect, that mm. mind body disconnect. Mm. I had one moment where I knew it was over. I had to overcome an eating disorder, boxing, a weight based sport. So the yeah. same height I am now, mm. 56 kilos. Uh, and I maintained that for, I think 18 months. When I was 19, 20, as you're filling out, and I was just keeping ridiculous, mate. Yeah. But I was, I was, the identity was I'm the giant, mm. air quotes. He's, he's massive for the weight. Don't know how he does it. So mm. I created this this persona of Kieran's the big fighter at that weight. And, yeah. and when it all came crashing down, I was sat in the car outside the boxing gym. I told my coach, Sab Leo, shout to Sab at Holliston Boxing Club. Told him, look, this is it, game over, um, I'm, I'm done, I can't do this anymore. I realized the Olympic dream wasn't my dream anymore and I actually wanted to go into business and into the business world. I remember him giving me a big hug and sitting in the car and just crying because I just knew mm. it's over, it's done. And it's just like that. How did you feel that day? Broken, because mm. my identity's gone. Like he's, he's the boxer, he's going to the Olympics or yeah. he's going to fight around the world, he's going he's gonna to do something. And then all of a sudden you're not. And it's like, you ooh. still box now, don't you? Yeah, but it's very different now is it is it for just more of the the mental benefits you find out just the cognitive hits and pads yeah, and, yeah. and the release but last year i tried doing some sparring and my ego took a bit of a bruising and the reason it took a bruising is because my head because i only really started boxing again like bit january last year yeah my head still thinks i've got the ability that my 21 22 year old self had but i don't so I'm I'm sparring with lads in there that are professionals, some Cuban lads that are fighting for like WBC titles and mm. stuff. And I'm trying to, even though some of it's not even like heavy sparring, it's just touch, touch. sparring or body sparring and whatever. Mm. And my ribs went went twice last year, intercostal muscle injuries. I don't know if you're in, injured an intercostal. It takes so even long. Even breathing hurts, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it yeah. takes so long to, to rehab. 
and I just realized that I'm just not that that guy anymore and I'm mm. watching guys in, in the gym and I'm thinking in my peak I'd have run rings yeah, around you yeah. but I'm, I'm now the old man yeah. looking from the outside in going oh mm. man and it's hard letting that letting that go yeah it's a very very similar story and I think it is hard but would you say now in terms of what you've built with your business that gap's been filled and that's why you've turned into the person that you are today yeah the difference between the two is uh, I'm building this business out of abundance and love like mm. I fucking love what I do. When somebody looks at the world one way and it's perhaps a lot of scarcity or stress or anxiousness mm. or overwhelm and we do some work together and then they're more calm, they're more confident, they're more relaxed and they're enjoying what they do a lot more. Mm. That to me is priceless. Whereas sports was all about proving myself. I come from the opposite end of spectrum for, for you in football. My mm. dad was my football manager. We were bottom of the bottom league. And he benched me every game. Ooh. So that's how you know you yeah, should yeah, won. Yeah. That's how you know you shit. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I've got under no illusions. I'm yeah. really bad at football. Yeah. But number two, um, I felt like my dad didn't even think I was good enough. Mm. So in that moment, I made a decision. Well, I'm going to show it, prove everyone wrong. I went to athletics and I don't, I'm not very fast. So I, I used to work the hardest and come last in everything. Yeah. Oh, then I tried, tried rugby, too small smashed off the park all the time. I was the bravest, but no good. Mm. And in boxing, I couldn't get substituted. I was the man. Yeah. So then I started, I actually lost my first fight. I put the guy down on the floor twice, but boxing's it's a little bit corrupt at times. Mm. And he was the homeboy and somehow he won. And even him, he come up to me after the fight. He's like, sorry, man, I was crying. I, was, I couldn't believe it. So I stopped the next three opponents in a row because I was like, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not letting that. So yeah. it just, that was all a way of proving myself to make mm. me feel enough. Whereas this is very different because if you think about it as a man, there's, there's two, three things we really measure a man on. His body. Yep. What does he look like? Mm -hmm. Can he fight? Mm. How much money does he make? Yep. Like that is the, as, as harsh as that sounds, that is the societal lens at which we look at men. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, you don't hate the player, hate the game. Well, don't hate the game because you're in it, mate. Mm -hmm. So just accept that. Yep. Walk into the game and play the rules. Mm -hmm. But I tried that. So boxing. I can knock people out. I've got a six pack mm. tick software sales. You can see on the leaderboard, I'm number one and I'm making lots of money tick. Yeah. Still didn't feel enough. Still didn't feel worthy. Still felt like it was all proving myself to the outside mm. world. It was only when I looked inwards and I went, well, what do I really want to do? I want to help people. That to me transcends money. That yep. to me. And I'm an entrepreneur. I'm fascinated by businesses and how they run and how they operate mm. and, and business leaders and whatever. But the reality is I want to help people. So I think, since I've plugged those gaps now, what I do, like, I don't think twice. Like this podcast today, we're going to have a really interesting conversation. How yep. fucking cool is that? I yep. get to do that. So mm. that's, they're the, they're the gaps I've plugged to kind of get to this point. And, and now it is just, well, how do I want to play this game? And now I'm actually designing the next phase of my life of, okay, well, what do I want the next five years to look like? How do I want to, mm. not just what do I want to achieve, but how do I want to feel going through the next five years and what I pull off? So... Yeah, I think that's something I've massively learned from you, just from your content. But even people who I know are very close to me who have worked with you and your team, Ryan, who, who's mm. a coach on my yeah. brand. And it's it's something that I can definitely improve on is, is emotional intelligence. And, and really, like you said, having that ability to, to, to switch on emotionally. And I think something that is still holding me back within my career is my ability to be emotionally intelligent and i think over the years of and you might resonate with this you might not when you're in that hustle mode of right this year is selfish this is me trying to get my business 
to where I want to get it to, to have the most positive impact on the industry possible. Comes a sacrifice to, to everything, spending time with family, loved ones, friends, socializing. And I think over the, the last five years of doing that, I have almost become emotionally numb. Mm. And it's now what I've, I've put as a post personal goal this year is to to find that emotion, emotional side. And, and I think that's, I think there's, there's trauma in my life from from early years that I went through what what, what will is, is why I struggle to, to show my emotional side. But I think the hustle of the business now has made me even more, less emotionally intelligent. Mm. What does emotional intelligence mean to you? If you're more emotionally intelligent, how would you know? I think being able to, one, tell somebody how you care about them, whether that's a member of staff or whether that's a person that you love. I really struggle with that. Um, saying to you, you look nice today, or mm. saying to your girlfriend, you, you you look nice today, and being able to compliment someone, have a positive impact on somebody else's life emotionally, um, and being able to share how you feel with people, open up to the right people, so you can actually embrace how how you're feel feeling, because otherwise, only you know how you're feeling, and I think that's a a recipe for disaster. The longer that goes on, mm. well, this is really really normal with driven, ambitious men, right? Mm. Very linear. It's like business for you, business, bodybuilding. And I'll do some of the family stuff because it's important, but I'll mm. sprinkle it in when I can around my work commitments. And then it's, it's back to that very masculine way of, of living. Mm -hmm. And that's often a defense mechanism because emotions use a lot of energy and we often see emotion as distraction. Mm. Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to unpack that. Oh, that's, that's, that's just going to create noise or it's just mm. going to take me away from, from my mission. But the problem is when we emotionally numb ourselves a little bit, we emotionally numb ourselves to the good emotions too. Mm. So it's like, okay, well, I'll push down like any stress or worry or fear or whatever. I'll just push that down and I'll mm. just numb that out. But then you're also numbing out fulfillment. Well, I got, I got that feeling yesterday. Yeah, how? I bought my dream car. Oh, mate, amazing. No, no, like, oh, wow. I just bought that. I just drove it out the garage, parked it up last night, took a photo of it, sent it to my mum and dad. Yeah. But that's when I realized and I thought, wow, like, yeah, I've, I've just bought my dream car. And for me, I'm not a materialistic guy. I don't, I don't really resonate with like buying materialistic things, but I've always loved cars. Mm. My brother loved cars growing up. I've always loved cars. And coming to Dubai, you, you'll know, you have to take a step back a little bit, don't you, to, to get your feet here and, and find yourself. And, and yeah, it was, I picked the car up last night and I was like, I should have been happier than that. Mm. I should have really like enjoyed that moment. And I think I did. But like, even like Claudia, my girlfriend said to me, she was just like, you should be over the moon tonight. You should be over the moon today. And in my head, all I was thinking is, oh, I've just got this to do when I get back. Mm. And that shows me there's work to do there. Yeah. There's two parts to that. One part is the ability to feel that emotional depth mm. and go, oh, actually, no, let me stop and smell the roses. Mm. Not, oh, I've got to get these emails done. It's like, no, 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 chill. Like, breathe and smell that. Because this is where we talk about the richness of life. Mm. And this is where we want to really explore a multivariate equation of success. Because... A very linear version of success, and this is something I'm still working on, by the way, I haven't mm. nailed this, is my health and fitness and my business. And as long as those two are really fucking nailed, like, I'm good. But actually, a multivariate equation of success is, okay, well, how much joy do you experience? Are you actually enjoying the journey? Mm. Are you creating moments with your family and your friends where you go, yeah, you know what, fucking, I, I wouldn't trade that for any amount of success or in the world. So there's, there's that part. That's the emotional equation. It's being feeling safe enough to go into those and it opening yourself mm. up to do that. Second part is you kind of have to achieve all the stuff. So I had a period in London where I'd achieved the senior position 
I'd achieved the, the six-figure income. I had the central London flat with a view of the of the Shard and the London Eye. I had, uh, that sounds disrespectful, a, a trophy girlfriend, which I felt like would validate me. Lovely woman, loved her to pieces, but wasn't the right match. Mm -hmm. But I was trying to portray success in all of these things. And I kind of picked up all of these trinkets and I started to realize, hang on, that's not the answer. The trinkets or the achievements isn't that. And Steve Jobs, and I always come back to this quote, and anybody that listens to the podcast like, fucking hell, Kieran's gone on about Steve Jobs again. But mm. that man was such an interesting bloke. And at the end of his life, he said to her, his longest reigning HR manager that had been through him with various different versions of the company, he said, what was the best bit? Like, was it the iPhone? Was it the Mac? Was it, you know, what was it? And he said, it wasn't any of those things. You've got to enjoy the journey. It's learning to enjoy the journey. That's the bit that I, I learned. And, and that for me, it was like the last couple of pages of the book. And I was like, I was reading it at 1am. I was just switching off at night and I just dropped the fucking book and I wrote, I've written it on my wall in, um, in my office. Because if we can't enjoy the journey, well, what's the fucking point? And if we place all of our happiness in the future at the milestones, we can't actually enjoy that. And mm -hmm. there's no point. The good news is you've got a new car to go and actually practice this. So instead of listening to podcasts and going, right, I've got to get a really valuable podcast in yeah. or making work phone calls, like, practice like switching all your devices off even switching the music off mm. and just enjoying the journey mm. enjoying the drive so though of that puzzle that you share they're the two things i see there's the emotional bit how can i open up another level of emotional frequency so i can mm. have more connection more fulfillment and really love that because trust me the more you can learn to love the journey the easier it is to achieve the outcomes uh, and then the other part is sometimes we think stuff will really validate us or make us feel happy and worthy and whatever. And don't get me wrong, like, I love cars. I love American muscle cars. Mm. I love the old school. My dream car is uh, a 1969 Mustang. Like, yeah. uh, old school. Like, that's my mm. that's my thing. That's what gets me going. Mm. Um, when I get one, I'll enjoy it. But yeah, I'll actually, yeah. I know that the happiness isn't in that. It's yeah. in the journey and the pursuit of that. And that sounds so cliche, but mm. cliches are the unwritten rules of life in a way. Mm. No, I agree with that. And I think... I've done a lot in my career, where, which I, I should look back on and be like, right, okay, yeah, I did that because it was like retiring my mum, bought my daddy's dream watch. I've never done anything for myself. I've never, and people say coming to Dubai, living in a nice apartment, yeah, that that was for myself and, and giving myself giving myself that freedom of right, okay, I'm gonna stand on my own two feet here. But yeah, I think yesterday I expected it to hit home a little bit more, and I was like, yeah, there's a there's a gap that needs filling here where. I should have got that car, enjoyed it. Mm. Like you said, potentially just being in that moment. I think I might have been a little bit overwhelmed with Dubai roads and traffic. Mm. But, <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, yesterday looking at it, I was like, mm, should have should have enjoyed that a little bit more. Yeah. So I know there's a little bit of work to do there. Um, there's some great drives to do. Jebel Hafi did it at the weekend. Amazing. Go up mm. to Al Ain. So in Al Ain, there's an, an oasis. So in there, it's like all these sort of palm tree. It doesn't mm. feel like you're in, in the Middle East. Mm. And then you go out the back of it and then there's like these mountainous roads you can do. I think it's Jabal Jafit, uh, Hatta, all of those drivers, I've mate. seen that Hatta, yeah. Uh, yeah. All the roads, yeah, you'll love it. Yeah. Well, mate, if you've got time over the weekend, like actually just schedule in yeah. a long, beautiful drive mm -hmm. and actually just practice like having the windows down and having, having no music and just being with that because that's the richness of life. And that's something I've really been working on recently is how can I experience more richness to this? Because you're never going to make time for that. Like if, unless you actually consciously work, I think this is part of your emotional intelligence you want to increase. It actually yeah. comes down to depth and richness of how can I actually experience this reality in a way 
in which I feel connected and fulfilled and joy. Because sometimes we get so caught up in the doing, the yeah. masculine, I've got to do, I've got to do, I've got to do, we get forget to feel. And the masculine has served you. Like, you wouldn't be here without that. When you can actually learn to dance in the feminine, which is creative, it's play, it's exploring, it's going, all right, well, what's possible? What you'll actually find is you'll get more done in less time because you'll be more relaxed. You'll enjoy life a lot more. And ultimately, you'll be able to stick the course a lot longer. Yeah, that's quite interesting. More done in less time. I like I like the sound of that. And I think one thing I'd like to ask you while, while we're here today, and I think it's a, a really important question and viewers would take um, a lot of value away, and I think I would as well in that question, is how important and how frequent do you think entrepreneurs and, and business people need to take downtime? It depends on what you're doing. Yeah. So I've coached guys that are looking to sell a company in a year or two. Mm-hmm. Technology business, very different ball game. They're ruthless. Technology is changing so quickly, and they've got investors breathing down their neck. When are we going to get the next round of funding? When are we going to get this? When are we going to get? It? That's a different ball game. Mm-hmm. So the amount of downtime they can actually take, it's different. Whereas if you're running a coaching business mm-hmm. that you haven't got any intention of selling, then well, that's a completely different because that's your life's work. Mm. So the answer is it depends on what you're doing. It also depends on where you're at in life. Have you got a family? Have you got kids? Have you got, you know, one company, five companies? Are you running all those companies? Have you got uh, managing directors running those? So it's different. Are you a one-man band coach? Mm. Are you a young guy in his early 20s that's got the time and space? Or actually, are you, have you got kids? And have you got a young family? So mm. the answer is, it depends. There's no right or wrong. But the way that you know you're getting enough downtime is you're able to come back into your work with a level of clarity, a level of calm, where you're like, right, this thought thing I thought was important actually isn't important. The thing that is important is this. Yeah. Or I know this is going to be the thing that moves the needle forward, not this. It's almost getting to a place where you look forward to going back to work. So for some people, that might be two hours a week. I've got clients that are like that. They only need two, three hours a week, and that's mental. There's other people that need two days in the whole weekend and a lunchtime over over the week. For me, I have my Saturday completely off. Mm-hmm. Complete, and that's where I'll, I'll go drive off into the mountains or go sit in a beach club and do nothing. And then a Wednesday afternoon, nada. So I'll be at a beach club or I'll be doing some journaling. I hit my pads in the morning and I go back to work Wednesday evening. And that works for me. And that enables me to keep going where I'm at. So the answer really is it depends on the individual. Because mm. everyone's got a unique production capacity. So some people can do a 10-hour day some people can only do a five-hour day. There are some people that, for whatever reason. So when you understand your production capacity, and that's always going to change mm. throughout various different stages of life, then you're okay, my current production capacity is, for me, I know four one-to-one sessions with clients a day. Anything above that is very emotionally taxing on my system. So I won't do more than four. And then I might take one or two business meetings or a, uh, or a podcast like this on top. Mm-hmm. Anything more than that, the system breaks. So that's my current production capacity. But I know with my current resting times, I can maintain that. Mm. So it depends. I had a period of time where my assistant was away and the internet went completely went where she was in the world. So now all of a sudden I've got all this admin stuff on top oh, of that. Wow. Then next thing you know, boom, production capacity is highly compromised as to what I can really do. So the answer is it depends and you just got to look at where you're at right now and what your specific needs are because I'm not I work on an individual level and our whole team works on an individual level yep. like we don't care what you're doing or let's say Ben Hawksworth our good friend right mm-hmm. doesn't matter what he's doing 
you'll have a different production capacity and different types of com- production capacity than what he does. So there's no point in going, oh, yeah, but this guy does this. That's irrelevant because you're you. So you've got to work on your level to figure out what makes you tick and think and feel, if that makes sense. No, I think it makes a lot of sense because I think in today's modern world of social media, it's easy to take downtime and then all of a sudden have a quick browse of Instagram and see maybe y- your biggest competitor working on that day that you're having off and you might feel guilty. So, no, that was a, a really valuable answer. So it's all about the production cap- capacity. So for me, how many check-ins I can do mm-hmm. versus consult calls mm-hmm. versus onboarding onboarding plans. So, yeah, okay, that's a food for thought for me to be able to then apply and, and actually run at that because the scalability of my business now has, has been a constant upward trend for the last five years. So it's grown and grown and grown, but I'm getting older now. So I'm not this same 23, 24-year-old. Mm. And it's like now I've, I've sacrificed a lot and, and a lot of that has been family time. And over the last three to four years, that was okay. But now I've got a nephew who's free. Um, I've got my brother, my mum, my, my dad, my step-parents. And it's almost like now, it's this year I've said, is, is the year that I give back to them. So my mum's in Dubai in two weeks. So it's it, as a coach, you will know, you work with a lot of online coaches to take time out of the business especially the more you tap into photo shoot clients bodybuilders who are prepping becomes almost impossible i would say so yeah it's something that i i definitely want to think about and, and strategize into to my life at the minute because i've got no shame in saying there's, there's none of that mm. do you have a, a work phone and a personal phone yeah only just two weeks ago how much of a difference have you seen already in that yeah it's a, it's a lot better i have set times now to pick my work phone up whereas mm. previously i was traveling and i was on it yeah. And then it was like, well, I'm just on it now just because I'm in the taxi or yeah. I'm just doing nothing at this five minutes. And really, like you said, then I'm never present, even if it's in the taxi looking at the, the buildings of Dubai and just thinking, well, I live here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was none of that. So now I feel like with the car, with the work phone, we're slowly but surely getting there and creating, like you said, that balance where you can optimize your performance every day. I want you to look at stress in this way, right? Because mm-hmm. we often hear the word stress. Oh, I'm not that stressed. And I, I've, I've learned I'm often more stressed than I think I am. It's just my brain doesn't compute stress the same as other way other people do. Because mm-hmm. I've been miles more stressed than this, so that's fine. But I want you to compute stress in this way. I want you to imagine you've got a pressure valve of gas at the top of your head, right? And you need to find moments to decompress that. And that mm-hmm. might be a morning coffee in a journal. That might be, I'm just going to go for a 20-minute drive and just drive around the block and, and, and go and do that. It might be, I'm going to a beach club with my partner this week. It might be whatever that is. But the more that you can take little moments to go preemptively versus reactively, the more you're going to be calm, present, and the more you're going to get more shit done in less time. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you let that pressure build up and build up and build up and build up and build up, that's really where, and this is often where we lack self-awareness, particularly as driven guys, which is like, oh, we're just going to plow through, plow through, mm. plow through, plow through. But actually, when you go, oh, I have more energy, I'm more calm, I'm more collected, and I get more shit done in less time. Because there comes a point where your blade is so blunt from trying to chop for so long. Yeah, you can keep chopping, but that's just not the smart way to operate. And the level of thinking and feeling that took you to this level won't be the level of thinking and feeling that will take you to the next level. No. And it's often, we don't let that go yet. Because mm. it's like, yeah, but I know that makes me successful. Or, yeah, but that's what's got me here. Like, that's my edge. Or what if I drop that? Does that mean I won't be successful anymore? And often that, that guilt or that, that, oh my God, what is everyone else up to? And that distraction comes mm. in. So when you can learn, well, actually, if I'm more sharp, I will think better. So for me, my mornings, 
are mainly for thinking and then my afternoons are for doing see i hear that with most most successful people that's what i really hear and i he keep hearing that is is the 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 first few hours of their day is for their thinking and, and planning and, and strategizing and at the minute minds wake up straight into work because with the way the business is we have the uk clients checking in the day before mm. so that then i have get their feedback to do straight away that next morning but the way i might run the business going forward is, is very similar to that so same day feedback give the lads till in the uk like 9 a.m to check in and then i'll start work probably at 12 o'clock and have my morning for thinking and like you said strategizing and planning on the business because that becomes more appealing to me getting up getting the gym out of the way and operating more in the uk clock mm. well even then not just on the business but on you um, yeah yeah straight away there you've caught me on you yeah 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 because if you're thinking and feeling better, mm. how much better is your business going to be? Because mm -hmm. often we look for the tactical stuff. So there's three levels to look at any entrepreneurial development. First, at the top of the tree, you've got identity. Well, who is Ben Bray? Mm -hmm. Who is Kieran O'Neill? Who is whatever, right? And that's where I work. I work on the identity level to begin with at the beginning of what we do. Because I want to understand what beliefs are in there and what thoughts and thinking and feeling is stopping this guy from being sharper and thinking better mm -hmm. to get more stuff done in less time. That's really what I'm looking at. Then you've got strategy. So strategy is, okay, well, maybe we're going to go in this direction with the business. Maybe we're going to start looking at this market. Maybe for your own personal development. Maybe it's I'm going to just change from thinking morning, doing afternoons. Maybe that's, that's the strategic. And then you've got the tactical. All right. Well, I'm going to get a, a mushroom coffee or some or some modafinil or yeah, and, and I'm going to do a little bit of a journal here. I'm going to do some stretching and some breath work and whatever. Reality is, everybody wants the tactics, mm. instant dopamine. It's like you know, yeah. If I start taking creatine, like that's going to change my world. You know, that's yeah. what everybody wants. Everybody wants the the tactic. But nobody really wants to go up to identity level because it's scary. It's blurry. It's not as quick. So I guess I guess if we're going to put this into fitness tactics you know ah, oh, maybe it's push pull legs whatever maybe it's i need this supplement maybe i need this accessory to help me there mm. strategy okay we're in a bulking phase we're in a gaining phase are we are we in a, a cutting phase is it actually athletic performance that we're looking to to optimize like yeah. where are we looking to go and then identity is do i believe i'm the man or the woman that can do this so for you that we i'm a bodybuilder Whereas there'd have been other times I'm a footballer mm. or I am the sort of person that can go and win this or I am the sort of person that actually is going to fuck this up and I'm not sure I can do this. So my job is to go right back to the top of identity. So you there, you went into strategy. Mm. I'm going to do my thinking on, you know, the business and the planning and whatever. But actually on an identity level, I'm, I'm more interested in, well, hang on, where, where's Ben showing up for himself? Mm. So he's more calm, he's more clear and he gets more shit done in less time mm -hmm. and when you have that that model you can always start to think okay am i thinking on a tactic level strategy level or identity level and that's where you can really start to move the needle forward my clients make more money not because i touch anything in the business i'm not a business coach they do it because on identity level i've messed with their thinking so they start to see reality differently they start to behave differently mm. all the tactics and all the, all the strategy and all the tactics i tell them look if you're trying to scale your business we're going to change your identity, but you need someone in your corner that's going to tell you the strategy and the tactics in order to achieve that. So a lot of the time with my clients, they end up bringing on board a fitness coach. A lot of my entrepreneur clients don't have that. So I'm like, right, you need a coach. Mm. Like, Go and get a coach. That's, what do you want to do? 
I'll do bodybuilding or I want to do high rocks or I want to do running or I want to do whatever. All right, well, let's go find you somebody that can give you the strategy and the tactics in order to do that. Mm-hmm. I just need to make sure that on an identity level, your mindset and your backing and your belief is so structurally sound that if we bring this person in, you're not just going to sit there and look at your plan and not do anything. Yep. That's the that's the, the three layers that I see. So I'm just thinking on a strategy level at the minute. I, I guess I'm not. I do think when I, I wake up in the morning, my purpose is to be the best coach in the game, um, provide the best service, but also I've got a mission of turning pro this year. And and that requires yeah. a, 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 an element of self-belief that I can get that job done. And I think that's changed from last year where I re-stepped back into bodybuilding and I knew the mission was just to re-identify myself on that stage and see where I, I, I stood and, and, and what work needed to be done. And we achieved that. And this year now, there's there's not a single doubt in my mind that I will turn pro. It's just not not or not if it's 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 when that will happen. And so I get I guess I do that. I just need to find a gap in there between bodybuilding Ben, business Ben, and and then right, how's personal Ben getting on? And I think that's what I struggle with at the minute. Yeah, well, that's because professional Ben, and this might resonate with you for me anyway. Uh, I feel safe professionally. Mm. I know I'm very good at what I do and I know the results that I can deliver. So in that side of things, I'm good. But personal Kieran has always been, and it's something I've been working on a lot, is well, how do I actually have a bit more depth in my personal life? How do I actually open up a little bit more and think and feel and connect on a on a more richer level in my personal life? Because mm-hmm. often it's the personal side that we think, yeah, but is that really going to move my business forward? Is that just a distraction? Is it going to create noise? And yeah, it can be if you have that belief and that's how you set things up. But if you really want to enjoy this journey and you don't wait, because I've coached some guys in their 50s and 60s who are very, very successful. And they've said, just through the coaching, I've picked that up. And at the end of it, they've said, Kieran, don't make the same mistake I did. Like, make sure you have a richer life than just the, just the money. These are stories of of guys that, you know, they had one true love and they just fucked it off because there was a big transaction about to happen. So they went and did that or they left their kids behind. And mm. we all say, no, we'll never do that. I'll never do that. But like it can happen. It can catch you if you're mm. not if you're not aware. And that's one thing where I'm, I'm quite fortunate in my world is I'm peering into lots of people's lives and how they think and how they feel. So I'm learning a lot from and because i coach a lot of successful people i'm not mm. observing the patterns of okay well who are the ones i really look up to that i think yeah because i you should look up to some of your clients mm. otherwise you haven't got clients that inspire you You should have clients where you go wow like that's very cool mm-hmm. but then having the backing and belief that in your specific field pound for pound they can't compete and when you learn that and you see all of these patterns you go you know what that's not how i want to i want to play the game that will open your mind to okay well, where do I want to take this? So you've got your you've got your new car, right? Mm-hmm. Where do you want to drive it? Like, how do you want to drive it? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you want to cruise around? Do you want to go spank it around the track? There's, there's a track here in, in Dubai. Do you want to go up into the mountains? Do you want to go drive around some of the lakes? Do you want to take it out into the desert? And how are you going to enjoy that journey? So you pick the car. You've got it now. How are you going to drive the car? Mm-hmm. Are you always going to be stuck in traffic and stress? I'm like, I'm fucking overwhelmed. So far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good way of looking at it. And I think if you apply that to your business and how you run it, as well as how you you manage your downtime, like you have got set structure there, like you said, with your your Saturdays and and your Wednesdays. And you know then, no matter how stressful those days might be, despite you loving what you do, you've got that outlet there where you can let the foot off the gas. You can, as you said, let the gas out and reset. And I think for me now, 
and I think you'll see this in the coaching game. It is a, I know you've worked with some very successful online coaches, but in the the the, the online coaching space, it's a it's a hamster wheel game at the minute, and and I'm sure you can see mm -hmm. that looking in. And man, I've got so many clients who inspire me, who are all coaches who keep me working just as hard, but at the same time, that's a a nightmare as well because I, man, I'm really confident in my ability to coach, change life, develop physiques, put people on stage, get them photo shoot ready. But at the, the same time, it's it's like you said, not running at a, not not keep leaving that blade blunt. And I think that that's not where I'm at, but I think if the, the, you keep running at the pace that I have for the last six, seven years, it's, it's not going to be a, a long time till it, it is at that stage. Well, here's an interesting perspective, which not enough people speak about. Mm -hmm. which is the online business game is very different mm -hmm. to a physical bricks and mortar game. And the reason it's very different is because it's all in the mind. None of this shit's tangible. So think about your service, right? What of your service can I physically touch? None. Right. So it's not even based in this reality. It's no. based in the online reality, yeah, right? No. So that's all in the mind. So we are using this powerful, powerful computer but we've not been taught how to use it. So our decisions are infected by the way that we think and feel. Strong mm -hmm. emotions make us stupid. They cut down our time frames. They cut down our options. So if we're getting stuck in our own heads or we're not optimizing our decision-making properly, mm -hmm. well, we're not even aware of how much puppy fat we're carrying on our minds because we've not been taught how to do it. So when, and I see this with a lot of coaches that start in the offline world they try and come into the online world they're so overwhelmed they're like, i've got all this stuff to think about and i've got all these different systems to plug in and it becomes very complex well you have to be able to have that place where you can slow everything down and breathe and create that space it's a hamster wheel it's a hamster wheel is it, ha well, is it? Mm. does it have to be a hamster wheel or actually is it you just need to set up a series of systems and this is where everybody throws the world mindset around but they don't know what it means what is the setting of your mind? What is the environment of your mind? What is the internal dialogue that you have with yourself? Like, are you your own best mate? Like, are you on the inside of your mind saying to yourself, like, hey man, like, good job on that. Or are you going, that ain't fucking good enough. Or you're being a bitch, like push through that. Or, and is it is your self-talk in a place where you can create that space to do the thinking required in order to make the decisions and get out? Because otherwise, you're always going to be stuck in the, in the hamster wheel because it's perspective and that's a choice. So this might sound a little bit out there, but it's being able to create a space where, well, you've chosen a hamster wheel. You've chosen to perceive it as a hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. Well, what if it's not a hamster wheel? What if it's something else? Where do you want to take that, that hamster? Do you want it to be a hamster? Do you want it to be a gorilla? Do you want it to be a tiger? Do you want it to be a lion? Okay, and what do you want it to do? Do you want it to be running in the same space or do you want to be doing something else? And this is where you need outside elements to come in and challenge your thinking because you can't see it. And when you're surrounded by lots of people doing the same thing as you, well, then your thinking is just like theirs. So now you're in a sea of hamster wheels that are going round and round and round and round and round. And this is why a lot of my mentors aren't in the same space that TMP operates in. They're in completely different industries because I want different levels of thinking that is going to open up my mind to a different way of being to then bring that to the world. Mm. So I appreciate that's pretty abstract. Nobody brought it to life. Yeah. <laughs> let's not be a hamster. Let, let's let's get off that wheel and have free reign. No, I completely, completely understand that. And it makes a it makes a lot, a lot of sense. And and like you said, it's it's about if you think like that, that's the way that you're going to operate. So it's taking I think it all boils down to just having time out of the business to think. Mm. 
and actually be present and say, right, okay, yeah, well, this is what I'm good at. These are, are the time frames that I can deliver. So for me, it's like, right, how many check-ins can I do per day and be the best coach that I can be? How many consult calls can I take and, and be the best salesman that I can be? And, and how many other tasks that I can do and be effective? Yeah, exactly that. So I'm going to ask two final questions. One thing I'd like to do to get um, guests on the podcast is to run through an insecurity that they still have. Mm-hmm. Because there'll be loads of people looking up at you and going, that's all right for Ben. Like he's nailed it. He's built this iron mindset and he's he's bulletproof and he doesn't have these thoughts, these feelings. But what's something that's triggering you at the minute? I think it's an insecurity to continually get better because the industry that I'm working at and working within is constantly growing and developing. And over the years, you see more and more coaches and it's that question of, do I need to change what I've been doing for the last five to six years to keep up with the pace of this game? Like, you used to be able to deliver a check-in and, and it'd be good enough and have WhatsApp communication, but now the the the, the service is continually growing and, and people are doing more and more to, to get ahead of the next competition. It's like, well, I've done a fucking great job of this for five years, six years, seven years. Do I now need to change what I do in order to keep up with this person? And it's constantly on my mind, like, am I doing enough for my clients? Am I am I constantly getting better? Am I good enough? And you can probably see how passionate I'm getting mm. about this now. And it's like, am I, am I good enough to, to be doing what I'm doing? When really I know when I take myself away from that mindset, I've created a business where people come to me for advice on coaching. So mm. of course I'm good enough. But with the forever growing industry that we're in now, it's that constant and it's that imposter syndrome of, am I still the person that I was two to three to four to five years ago? Mm. Of course I am, but I'm 10 times better. Yeah. But when I talk about it like that, I'm confident. But day to day, when you see certain elements, it's that that ability of like, am I am I good enough? Mm. Are you sharing that? Because mm. there'll be a lot of coaches that look up to you that will go, but if he can feel like that and he's there, mm. I can still be successful. Because mm-hmm. it's true. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where perception becomes reality, right? Because our perception is everything. Our yeah. reality comes from the way that we perceive things. At the minute, it's you're looking at that ha- that need for innovation and to adapt as evidence that you're enough. But what if we took Ben out of the equation mm-hmm. and it was just, yeah, actually, you know, my service is good. I get great results. I've got great customer feedback. They can access the service. We can take payment. Uh, we haven't got any customer complaints. Like it's easy to think to perce- to it's easy to trap yourself into thinking that um, your business is broken. Mm. But those five things for me is okay. Are we still knocking results out of the park? Like are we measuring that and our clients happy with that? Yeah, cool. Um, have I got team members leaving? Are they really unhappy? No, cool. Team's happy. All right. Can can my clients access the service? Yeah. Okay. Can can we take payment? Yeah. Are we profitable? Yeah. That's pretty fucking good business. Mm-hmm. And often this is where we can get trapped into that over analysis of do I need to add in this to my service? What about this and this and this and this and this and this and that? And it's only when we make it about us, not the company, is when it becomes an issue. When it becomes, ah, oh, I must be the bad guy, or oh, it's just it's just evidence that it's not me. Well, then all of a sudden, that's where all the energy, and this is where I talk about optimizing your energy in the way that you think. Well, that's just burnt up energy that you could spend on just going, oh, I'm going to run an experiment. Maybe mm. we'll add this to the service. Actually, maybe the service is good enough right now, and I just need more people in it, and I just need to run with that process. 
So that'll be some stuff to just think about and toy with uh, on that one. I guess the positive thing is the questions you asked was all positive answers. Yeah. That's given me a little bit of peace of mind. And, and I think naturally when you are driven to become better and constantly develop, that's something you will always face as a challenge. Um, but yeah, that was, was, was really mm. helpful. I always use that framework. Whenever mm. I start going, hang on a minute. Because you can get, as a business owner, you get trapped. Oh, my business must be broken or it must suck. Well, hang on a minute. Are my customers happy and we're getting great referrals? Yeah, cool. Are my team members leaving? Oh, okay. Can they access the service? Yeah. Can I take payment? Yeah. All right. Are we profitable? Yeah. Mm. Not as broken as I thought. So it's it's just avoiding that, that trap because business is infinite and you can optimize your financial department, your marketing, your sales, your coaching, your legal, like you could just, you could create so much depth. But there's a difference between in a horse race, does the horse need to win by 10 meters or does it need to win by a nose? And you decide where the nose is. And actually, if it's just the nose and people are like, wow, this is incredible and that's the nose, then that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Final question. Um, forget us as a company, forget us as an organization, but what does total mental performance mean to you? What does that phrase mean to you? I think for me, it's performing, not just from a, like you said, a strategy standpoint, from from a business standpoint of, is my business growing? Is it making profit? Can we do what we can do? As you've just used an example, it's how emotionally intelligent you are. How can you take a step out of your business and be present? And, and I think it's with whatever you're doing in life, whether that's sat at the side of a beach club or operating your business, you're very good at what you're doing. And that's chilling the fuck out versus building a profitable business. And I think if you're doing that, you're operating at total mental performance. Love that, mate. Mate, thank you so much for coming onto the pod. We appreciate you, your time, your energy. Where can everyone find you? Yeah, perfect. So you can find me at benbray underscore newgen on Instagram. And it's just benbray on YouTube as well. Awesome, mate. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Team, if you enjoyed this, share this to your story. Tag us both. We're looking to take this podcast out to the entire world. Infinite love. And I'll see you all in the next episode. So that's us for today, team. I want to say a huge thank you for spending this portion of your life listening to us. A couple of things before you disappear. If you're not already following us on Instagram, you can find all of our daily content on mindset and hitting peak performance at Total Mental Performance or our website, www.totalmentalperformance.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe. You'll find us on Spotify, uh, the Apple Podcasts, and all the other various different platforms. Big love. Thank you ever so much. And we're looking forward to speaking with you soon.